Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Hi, and welcome to another episode of A Dad's Path Podcast. I'm Will Bronstein, and today we have a very special guest, Cosmo from Live Long and Dad. Hi, Cosmo. Good evening. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Before we jump in, you're going to be able to find Cosmo on all the podcast platforms. You can just search Live Long and Dad. So after this episode, check him out, and uh, I'm sure you'll like what you're about to hear. We're going to dive in and hear more about Cosmo's uh background and who he is. And first, maybe do you want to share, Cosmo, your stay-at-home dad? You have some kids. You mind sharing a little bit of background with us? Yes, indeed. I am 39 years old, and I have a seven-year-old boy and twin two-and-a-quarter-year-olds, boy and a girl. And it took fertility treatments for both pregnancies, so it was a, a long road getting the babies. And the twins were born right at the beginning of the pandemic. So that's where we are now. Gotcha. That's a lot of fun. There's always challenges, but uh, a pandemic in the middle of, you know, trying to have kids and having kids is certainly not one that I think any of us counted on, but here we are. So, and I am the stay at home dad. My wife is a teacher, a middle school teacher, and I was part time employed uh, with various jobs, just trying to chip in. I was a football coach for high school for 13 years and I'm six foot nine. uh, So I'm a big guy. I was working as a security guard at a really lousy bar here in Los Angeles for six years. And once we had James, our oldest, I coached football for one more year, but then the meager pittance that I was paid was not worth the time and energy away from James. And uh, I did not enjoy that year he was an infant having to put him in his grandparents' hands and be gone so much. Summer football is really intensive. We have sports camp in the morning, so I'm gone from 7 a.m. to about 7 p.m. And my wife had had a really rough pregnancy. We had almost lost James at week 20. We went in for the anatomy scan and they told us it was a boy. And I was recording this on my iPad and you hear me just breathe a sigh of relief because I was hoping for a boy. I'm on cloud nine and the technician's just taking a closer look at the ultrasound and she's real quiet and she's not just moving on to the next thing. And Heidi, my wife, starts to pick up on some bad vibes and I'm just oblivious because I'm a guy thinking to myself, yes, it's a boy. Now for our second kid, I can relax because girl, boy, I'm good. And we found out my wife's cervix was short. And so a normal cervix is four centimeters thick and hers was down to 0.4 centimeters. So there was very little holding him in there. And she was also having contractions. At week 20, there's not really anything they can do. They tried giving her some medicine to stop the progression, and that didn't work, and it got even thinner. So they did an emergency cerclage, which is a stitch over the cervix to try and put a dam on that uh, cervix. And they said it was a 50-50 chance whether it would burst the water because it was so thin or if it would help. And we thought, we got to give the kid a chance. So we went for it, and thank goodness it worked. And Heidi was then on bed rest until James came at week 31. So he was nine weeks preemie and uh, pretty traumatic for my wife. And she still, to this day, is dealing with big feelings 
her sister just had her first kid. And my wife still has these feelings of she was robbed of her pregnancy. And as a man, it's really hard for me to connect to that. As far as my brain works, I'm just happy that we have healthy kids now. And so trying to help the wife through those feelings has been a challenge. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, that whole thing's so intense, not knowing whether your child's going to make it. Thankfully, I'm obviously thrilled that he did. And yeah, to your point, there's a lot we do understand as dads, and there's a lot that we just can't understand. I mean, the whole pregnancy thing, we can't really understand on that same level. I appreciate you sharing all the challenges of pregnancy and how even after the pregnancy ends, the challenges that you know came from it don't necessarily end. Talking about things like postpartum depression. And, you know, as a male, as a dad, like we don't necessarily, we understand what a pregnancy is, but then we also don't understand fully in the same way. And, you know, some of the pain that happened, the mental pain, you know, barely having a child or not understanding what's going to happen there. And I guess what I'd be curious about, because, you know, you're being really empathetic and you sound like a really empathetic person. And how has that affected the relationship with your wife? Have you been able to kind of build that back up? You know, there's challenges and you're helping her, but at the same time, you have to take care of yourself. So yeah, I'd be curious if you could talk about that for a second. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of us men want to fix things. And something like this, there's no fixing it. You know, you come to me with a problem. I want to present solutions to help you get past it. And this isn't something that can be fixed and nothing I can suggest will help. And I am pretty empathetic. And I frankly got some mild PTSD from all this. It was really traumatizing for me, not knowing what kind of a state I would come home to with my wife. And her postpartum lasted a good year at least. So going into this second pregnancy, I was just really on edge and hypervigilant for all that stuff. And so I put myself behind her needs. Even when she is assuring me that things are good, I'm still nervous about leaving her with all three kids. Not that she would do anything, but am I going to come back to a super stressed out and triggered partner? I haven't done enough self-care since the babies came out. The twins had a rough pregnancy too. Uh, We knew the cervix issues that my wife had on the first one, so we were prepared. But then she went with James to Minnesota uh, at like week six of the pregnancy because her grandfather, James's great-grandfather, was 96. And we knew this was probably the last chance to ever meet him. So they go off to Minnesota And I'm excited because, hey, I get some time to myself. I'm going to play video games and watch football. And a couple nights into it, she had a massive bleed. She said it was like her water broke. So she was in the hospital. Babies were fine. But to this day, nobody knows what was up with that massive bleeding. So she was put on bed rest from week six of the pregnancy on. And then she developed two blood clots in her leg. And so that continued the rest. And then her ovary got torsioned, which is twisted. They had to do an emergency ovarectomy to uh, get rid of her ovary. And they said, again, uh, oh, yeah, the meds to knock you out could kill the babies. Okay, thanks for uh, letting us know. And so that was a super stressful first 15 weeks of the pregnancy. I am essentially a single parent because Heidi's on bed rest and the nerves of, are we going to be able to keep these babies? Then straight into having twins. So. Really, since Heidi got pregnant, I haven't done any real self-care and just been nervous about what she needs. And we've really worked on the communication. And at this stage, two years into the twins, 
I do feel comfortable with communicating my needs a little bit more. She's a teacher. Today was her first day of summer vacation. And we're trying to find that balancing act of, I'm super excited to have my partner here and not be a stay-at-home alone dad with three kids. But I don't want her to feel obligated to have to spend the entire day with the kids. I want her to feel free to clean up the garage, which is full of stuff, or have some leisure time. So we've just got to find that balancing act between my needs, her needs, and family time. Yeah, I'm sure. And I guess it's sort of a unique situation, you know, being a stay-at-home dad, not that unique, and then also being married to a teacher. So you both have time over the summer. So it's a big advantage in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I mean, like you're saying, one, you don't want to throw everything to her. But two, you know, without the structure, things would go kind of either way. Like, have you guys talked about how you're going to structure? Like, I'll take these days and you'll take those days or? Yeah. And that's the way I like to kind of schedule things. She doesn't. But if we don't schedule things, it never gets done. So I told her the other day that Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, you are free to sleep in if you want. And mornings aren't particularly tough. Uh, My least favorite part of the day as a dad is evening before the babies go to bed because they're not napping anymore. So they're cranky. I don't really enjoy feeding them at this age. And then the post-dinner, pre-bedtime, they're kind of wild. So that's my least favorite part. I can handle mornings. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, stay in bed, go on a walk, whatever you want, you're free. Join me at noon. We're good. Working up the courage to say, can I have one day a week that I can sleep in? That's where my PTSD kind of kicks in. And I don't feel comfortable lounging in bed because am I going to walk out two hours later and have her be resentful and pissed off and triggered because the kids were extra crabby and tough to deal with? And that's kind of my baggage because she is willing to. And it's my thing that I need to get over and I, I need to be able to let go. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I think you do need to let go if you're feeling that, but you're also holding on for a reason, you know. But I think, I think like you're saying, you know, dads, we, you know, men, we like to fix things. We don't necessarily always like to ask for help. And that's not exactly what you're doing or need to be doing now, but just communication in general and just saying, okay, like this might not be ideal, but maybe this is a jump we're going to have to take. I do that too. I mean, with my family where I know there's something that like I'd rather, I know I can do it a certain way and I know it'll be done and I'll be happy with it. Or, you know, my wife can do it and she's great, you know, whatever, but it's not how I want it to be done. (laughs) But at the same time, it allows me to kind of, you know, breathe or have a little bit more, yeah, me time. Because I think that is the, the key. I really struggle with when I'm tired I get mentally tired, you know, and I really need to like recharge and that, do you find that or is a, have you been able to like, you have that, this reservoir somewhere or what's your, what's your secret? (laughs) My fuse has been pretty short, uh, ever since I was put in that situation with Heidi on bed rest and I, I've never really had the chance to recover. I should do mindfulness. I should do that kind of stuff. And I just never get around to it. Once everybody's to bed, I've been playing a lot of uh, baseball video game, and that's kind of where I and I listen to podcasts while I do that or audiobooks. So that's how I kind of zen out a little bit. And I have really gotten out of the television habit since the twins were born. If I do put on something, it's usually a rerun and something light like Thirty Rock or King of the Hill. It's been really challenging to recharge those batteries. Father's Day is coming up. I don't know what's in store there. It'd be nice to be able to sleep in. So my wife is going to be doing a 50-mile, five-day hike in Yosemite. 
And so that means I'm in charge of all three kids by myself, but I'm super supportive of it because it's going to be so good for her to get out into nature, get away from everything. She's going with one friend. So I'm not particularly worried about her safety. And so it's going to be really good for her. And she encouraged me to figure out something to do for myself. So I am going up to Paso Robles, which is a little wine place uh, about four hours north of Los Angeles. And uh, Heidi and I went there in 2012, I think. And it's got these hot springs. And me being 6'9", I don't fit in our bathtub. I don't fit in most bathtubs. And every hotel room at this inn has a giant two-person tub connected to hot springs. So I'm going to take the train up there by myself and just soak in those tubs and uh, listen to podcasts and audiobooks and have no noise from kids. And so for three days, that's my little first dad vacation since we got pregnant with the twins. And so hopefully that will recharge my batteries. And then a week later, she goes off to Yosemite. So I'm going to need it. It's definitely a challenge. One thing I've tried to start doing is when I get the babies to bed at 6.30, James goes to bed around 8, 8.30. I take 10 minutes and go sit on our front lawn. We live in a nice little quiet neighborhood and I've got some wind chimes out there. And I really like just sitting on the lawn, listening to the wind chimes and having a little quiet. And I invite James to come out there if he wants to. And just taking that little 10 minutes, that's something I really need to get better at. It's just taking those tiny little opportunities during the day to have a, a minute of quiet. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's great. You have that event coming up just where you can be by yourself and soak, like you said. <laughs> but you started saying, hey, I should be, I should probably be doing more like meditation or mindfulness or something like that. But what you just described of going outside and just sitting and listening, like that's mindfulness, you know? So it is, and I just mentioned that because I know for me, I can get caught up too in like, all right, I need to sit down and I've got my meditation app and I'll do 15 minutes, you know, and it just can end up being this whole like, well, I don't really feel like doing it or, you know, and you get in your head on freaking meditate on mindfulness. You know, it's like, you know what, <laughs> just take a walk and that's enough. And that was the other sort of amazing thing that I found both for myself and then kids, because you were talking about kind of the witching hour, <laughs> as we call it, right? Like after dinner or when the kids are, it's not bedtime, but it's always amazing just for kids and then for us too, just going outside, you know, like you described it, going outside, just listening. And, but then when the kids are wild, I mean, I, that's what I do. I just, hey guys, let's go outside, let's run around a little. And then the wildness is outside now. And it, yeah. And that's really challenging with the twins because usually it's just me and there's two of them. Luckily they have become pretty darn good toddlers. And so I now in the last month feel comfortable going on, walks with them being free. I bought leashes and uh, earlier in the spring, they were both on a leash because they would walk in opposite directions. And when I had a single, I would never have put them on a leash. I always would, you know, raise an eyebrow at parents that had them on a leash. But when there's two versus one, I had to. <laughs> yeah. Just math, man. It's just math. <laughs> yeah. They still go at very different speeds. One is always ahead. One is always dilly-dallying behind me, but they listen really well. They'll hold hands when we cross the street. So that's nice. And uh, my favorite time of day is walking because I can put on a podcast because they don't talk yet. Twins apparently talk later than singles. James had a, a speech delay. He was two years old and had zero words, but he had really good receptive language skills. So he understood everything. So we weren't really worried about him. We got hooked up with speech therapy and within three months, he was ahead of schedule. The same thing with the twins. Cecilia, the girl, is super smart. 
she will say a word. And then when I say, what'd you say? She'll just give me a smile like, Mm-mm, I'm not saying it again, daddy. They're right there, but they're not talking. So we're not going to bother trying potty training until they can talk. And yeah, uh, so on walks, that is my time to get fresh air. And on top of being a stay-at-home dad, I'm also legally blind. I was born that way, and my vision is 20 over 400. So what a person with normal vision can see at 400 feet, I have to get up at 20 to see. Wow. So I can't drive. And so not only am I a stay-at-home dad, but I can't put the kids in a car and take them to a park. I can walk to our dinky little neighborhood park, but I have to rely on family members to, if we have a doctor's appointment, take them there. And so that's even more isolating, you know, and has been a challenge. Oh, yeah. No, that just adds on top of uh, normal fatherhood challenges. You've done it with, it seems like with Grace. And, you know, like I said, you've been really empathetic about uh, your wife, about your kids. And I like that you have some self-care coming up for yourself. I mean, that's important, but it doesn't make it easier, you know. And I think the other challenge, not challenge, but that I had to keep in mind before with like a trip or things like that, it's helpful sometimes, but it's also not the be all end all. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's a start, but at the same time, you know, if there are other things you need on a regular basis, when you're comfortable bringing it to your relationship, it makes sense. So like you said, you guys went through a lot, you know, and you're still going through a lot, but it's nice. It seems like there is some light at the end of the tunnel. If you're saying, Hey, this is my first trip. You didn't say that a year ago, right? You weren't going on a trip. so <laughs> For sure. For sure. And I, I feel comfortable with putting that on my wife's shoulders with the whole postpartum thing. I was really hesitant to burden her with anything. And so she now tells me she can handle me being gone for three days. I believe her. I feel comfortable with that. And we are super fortunate. My mom lives half a mile south of us. Her parents live a mile north of us. And her older sister lives with her parents. So we've got five caregivers that can help out. I work from home. I work for eSight, which is a company that makes electronic glasses for visually impaired people. And now that I'm not coaching football anymore, I coach other legally blind people how to use this pair of electronic glasses. So I'm super fortunate that I get to work from home and work with the blind community. And so Heidi's parents come over three times a week so I can get my work stuff done. And they aren't in the best health, uh, to say the least. Uh, Their stamina isn't very good, but they're very generous with their time. Sometimes it's almost more of a headache because I'm in my little home office. I hear everything that goes on in the house. So I hear some of the shenanigans the grandparents let them get into and just got to let it go. And then Heidi's sister is super generous about driving James. James has mild cerebral palsy, and the way that manifests is his lower body is just stiff and doesn't have uh, great strength, so he does horse riding physical therapy once a week, and that's about a half hour away, so auntie's nice enough to take him out there, and then my mom picks him up and takes him to school every day, so I'm super lucky that we have this family infrastructure there. And definitely takes the burden off of me not being able to drive. And with Heidi being a teacher, I don't need to tell your listeners that teachers work really, really hard. She leaves the house around 7.30 in the morning and she gets back around 6.15 at night. So that's challenging for her because the babies go to bed at 6.30. And so that sucks for her, but it sucks for me too because I'm sitting here just waiting for my partner to come home. And the last thing I want to do is say, here, take a baby. 
please. And, you know, she deserves to decompress. And so finding that balance uh, has been really challenging. And, you know, on the weekends, she spends all that time during the work week. And then she deserves some time on the weekend too. But I want to spend time with her and family time. Finding the balance is really tough. I'm sure. It's funny because, you know, moms kind of have a head start on this just because there was stay-at-home moms before (laughs) stay-at-home dads were as predominant. But, you know, there are a lot of tools and just ideas that stay-at-home moms have developed because they've been through it. You know, one that I find really just insightful and true is, you know, it's a job. Oh, yeah. Um, And not just in the work, but if you kind of view it through that lens and have your partner view it through that lens, it's like, okay, like you were working seven to six and I was working from now to now, you know, and I didn't need to, like we could get childcare, we could pay for a sitter and then I have to get another job, but I'm choosing, you know, or whatever the case may be, I'm not putting that on you, but I'm more just saying, you know, more just suggesting, you know, hey, it is a job and, you know, but if you can put some guidelines around it or some sort of like, I can work extra, I do work extra and it's not fully a job because it's my family and I love you guys. I want to give as much as I can, but you know, you keep saying Cosmo, how much you're, you're giving and you're, you know, you're really sensitive to your wife, which is very important and your kids and, you know, giving, 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 but it's just important as we keep saying, you know, can't pour from an empty cup, you know, like if you're tired all the time and it's hard. Yeah. My biggest struggle has been because I've got to be a house husband also, not just a dad, but a house husband. I'm not good at cleaning. I try my best. I'm getting better. But when uh, my wife complains that the house isn't in good enough shape, I know she values what I do as a dad. But it's hard not to take it like, okay, the first word out of your mouth was, well, this is dirty, that's dirty, and that's not put away. Okay, well, I wasn't playing Xbox all day. (laughs) And especially with two-year-olds. If I take five minutes and go do some dishes, sometimes they're cool. Sometimes she bites them and gives them a big old mark on his hand or they get into something and unplug something. And so it's really difficult to try and find that time to be the good house husband. I've done a better job recently in getting a routine going every Friday. I vacuum and mop the floors, which again, as a legally blind person, what I think is perfectly clean isn't up to my wife's standards. So that's super frustrating too, where I think I did a bang up job. And then if I get on my hands and knees and get an inch off the floor, I can see, oh, I missed a bunch of spots. So that's been challenging and yet feeling undervalued, no matter what, it's really emotionally draining because you, especially with two, you can't ignore them. (laughs) And when it was just one kid, sometimes he would occupy himself for 10 minutes and I can have 10 minutes for myself. But with twins, it's very rare where they're both occupied. One is usually looking for your attention. The best part of twins though, is when James, our oldest would wake up from a nap or not want a nap, he would get mad and just scream and I would go get him. With the twins, when they wake up or they choose not to nap, they're in cribs next to each other in an L shape. And they just babble at each other. They throw their stuffed animals back and forth. So when they wake up at 6.45 a.m., I tell our smart speaker device, play the playlist babies. And then on the smart speaker in their room, it plays uh, Casper Baby Pants. That's an artist that I've found. He does some Beatles baby covers and just pleasant stuff. Casper Baby Pants. Casper Baby Pants. Would have never thought. And the babies will just dance in their cribs and hop around and play tug of war. And so I can leave them in there for a half hour and they're cool. That extra space 
and time to myself has been really nice. And they are definitely dropping their naps. For the most part, they still tolerate quiet time in there uh, or bouncing around in their cribs going crazy time. But this summer, I've definitely got to transition them to one nap. And I don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, giving up some time. No, I know. I know. That's hard. Because the routine is so helpful. I mean, I, I think with everything, having a routine just oh yeah is kind of the name of the game. So once you start twitching that. Yeah. For the babies and for me, I am a stickler for the timing of everything. Nine o'clock, the babies are going in the stroller and going on a walk. And thank goodness they like it. Like I said, I can put on my ear pods and uh, listen to podcasts and push them around the neighborhood for an hour and they are happy. The little annoying thing is they like to bring toys on the walk now. And if I let them... Halfway through the walk, they start throwing them. <laughs> and then I'm having to stop, and then they immediately throw it. And eventually I say, it's going in my pocket. You're done. And now they're upset. So I've got to be a Scrooge and say, no, no toys on walks, babies. But yeah, the two walks a day have helped keep me sane and just that rigidity of the schedule. If the babies don't get it, when I get them from their afternoon nap, they both see me with my little uh, hat on, and they say, wah, 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 for walk. And uh, They know the walk's coming. Yeah. And it's super cute at bedtime when they waddle into their room and they get their animals all together. Cade, the boy, likes to sleep with a turtle, a little stuffed turtle, and a one blanket. Cecilia likes every other stuffed animal in the whole house. So her crib is absolutely full of like four Donald Ducks and a bunch of other animals. He's got one little thing. It's really cute. That's awesome. Because, you know, we spend a lot of time, uh, because your kids are home, the twins are home, of you caring for the twins and some of the challenges there. And we haven't really touched as much about, you know, the time you spend with James, your older son, and how, you know, your twins coming into his life has affected him and has affected, you know, kind of your relationship and all that. I'd be curious to hear you talk about that for a second, if you don't mind, Cosma. Yeah. James was born March 26, 2015. Twins were born March 19th, 2020. So they're one week apart. When they're older, they'll have birthdays on back-to-back weekends. So James was about to turn five. And with his mom being on bed rest for six months prior to that, and that was the beginning of the pandemic, it was super tough on him. Any one of those things could really mess with a little five-year-old, be it a pandemic or going from only child to now third fiddle or mom being gone for six months. Any one of those. It was tough. He did virtual preschool for one semester and then virtual kindergarten for a whole year. So he was really isolated for a year and a half. My mom came over and sat with him during virtual kindergarten because the twins were infants at that point. It's been really challenging to try and get some one-on-one time with James. And my mom has really picked up that slack. He goes and spends the night once a week with her so he can get that individual attention. And my mom has been very generous and willing to come over and watch the baby so I can get some time with James. It's slowly getting better. I'm taking him to his first Dodger game this Saturday, and that'll be a nice father-son milestone. Yeah. On my podcast recently, I've started watching of Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1 with James. And he's always been very sensitive to any kind of TV or movie with antagonists. He doesn't like it. He gets nervous. So it's been really picking and choosing what he's seen. And he's seen Star Trek, but nothing with a scary alien or a bad guy. Just the really innocent episodes. And if we watch Star Wars, we always fast forward through the... It's like a 30-minute movie with my edit of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
With that at it, that's good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's now he's at an age where he can handle it. And so we watch an episode, and then I have him give the plot summary and give his thoughts on it. And it's just five minutes of my podcast, but it's funny hearing a seven-year-old retell the story. And that's been a fun thing to share. My dad read to me every night. And I remember the first adult book he read me was The Princess Bride. And he took me to the movie first. And that was the first grown-up movie I saw in the theater. And then he asked if I wanted to read the novel. And then that opened up other novels like Treasure Island, Black Stallion series. And so on my Kindle with the big print, I read him a couple of novels like The Black Stallions. That's a good age-appropriate book for the under-12 crowd. Uh, So we read two of those and Charlotte's Web. Even with large print, reading isn't super easy for me, but that's a tradition I want to get back into. It's kind of fallen off, and my wife has been reading him a couple of more advanced books, but I think reading is a great bonding experience. One thing that we're just now starting to navigate is the screen time thing. We have really kept him away from iPads. TV's one thing, but just computers, video games, and iPads, we've kept him away from. And the little bit he's had, I've really seen how obsessed he can get. He went up with mom to uh, Cabin in Big Bear for a weekend. And the first day, I FaceTimed him at the end of the night, and I said, what'd you do today? And Heidi says, he watched three movies on the iPad. You're up in the mountains. What are you doing watching three movies on the iPad, buddy? <laughs> it's such a crazy world. When, when I was a teenager, we had uh, the dial-up internet, <laughs> you know, and AOL Instant Messenger. So it's really foreign territory for me. How have you dealt with the electronics and your kids? Struggling. <laughs> I know that's not a word. It's been a struggle, but the sort of challenges that go through my head are, um, one, I see how obsessed they get. Yeah. Not only just like sitting and watching, you're kind of like, you know, slapping from the couch, but then also when we start playing some video games, some like games and things like that, it's just, that's all he wants to do, you know? And the other day, he had a birthday party and wanted to stay home to play video games. So they go, you know, and like, that's very normal, but not acceptable. <laughs> you know, obviously, <laughs> it's like, hey, nope, you know, I understand you want to do that, but that's not how it works. And then the flip side, I just gave a bunch of negatives is like, the world we live in is all digital. Not watching TV as much, but, you know, he has a Chromebook with his school and he's learning to touch screen and he's learning, he's doing math apps through it. And he's actually learning through some of the games too. In the future, he's going to be on the computer. I mean, you know, so that's <laughs> whatever it looks like when our kids grow up. It's crazy how obsessed they get. Even the twins at two years old, they have not done anything with my phone, but auntie will bring out the little flashcard baby apps and they now associate that with her. So they go and will aggressively go for her phone and she'll give in to them. They don't know what they're missing if they don't get it. And James has had very limited exposure to video games. Yeah, I've let him watch me play Flight Simulator a few times. And I tried teaching him Mario Kart 64, and he just kept thudding into the wall. So I said, okay, you know, maybe in a year or so, you'll try that again. But I'm in no hurry to get him addicted to that stuff. And when his cousin was visiting in town, also seven years old, and one morning he was on his mom's iPhone, the cousin was, and just totally ignoring James for like a good hour. It's amazing how they latch onto it and it brings out those antisocial behaviors. Yeah, it really can. So to sort of 
you know, shortcut the answer, you know, what we do is we don't allow it every day and we also set time limits on it. So it's just a very clear, you get this amount of time and, you know, that's that. And then if there's a big issue at the end, then that'll affect the time tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm just dealing with now. When I say TV's off and if you're going to fuss, then that's going to affect your next TV. And it might be zero because you, when I say TV's done, I've already been generous and you need to say, okay, dad. Yeah. The problem is that's very logical, but our kids' heads aren't logical. So <laughs> <laughs> so they're not necessarily making that connection and, you know, because they're living just in this very little moment and then it's over. Uh, and then the next day you're trying to teach a lesson where it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Why can't I watch TV? And, I, you know, so that is a tough one. But screen time will always, you know, I think will always be a challenge. And then at the same time, you know, I had a friend or two growing up who had no screen time and they were a little weird. You know, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> <laughs> It's all about balance with anything in life. Balance diet, balance electronics. And uh, luckily, James has a great imagination and he can play with my old G.I. Joes. He's got a bunch of hand-me-downs from me. And so he's got G.I. Joes, he's got Legos, and he can play with those for an hour. Or I can sit in front of the TV for three hours. <laughs> that was one thing I was dreading of being a dad was children's television. Because I was thinking back to what we grew up with. And it was not great. And we had some gyms. But we've been really lucky. And the things James is really attached to have all been really lovely. Tumble Leaf is a Amazon Prime original. And it's claymation. And it's really beautiful. And it's mellow. And it's just about problem solving. And I teared up during the series finale of it. <laughs> it was that, that sweet of a show. Pete the Cat's another good one. That's on Amazon Prime. He's really into Bluey right now. He watches that over at Grandma's house, and he's obsessed with it. And I was kind of rolling my eyes at it. But it's also it's an Australian show, and it's about playing with your parents and just finding adventures with your family. Okay, I can't behind that. So he hasn't uh, really grasped onto anything. He liked Paw Patrol for a minute, and that definitely wasn't my favorite, but I'm lucky. One of his favorite things is a show from my youth, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., starring Bruce Campbell. And it was uh, only around for one season. It was canceled by Fox. And it's a cowboy show with a little bit of sci-fi in it. I bought it on streaming and he likes it. So that's been fun to revisit some old stuff. He likes The Princess Bride. And um, it's been fun sharing that stuff as he's gotten older. No, that's awesome. Yeah, having, uh, like you said, a little higher quality stuff out there. And you're right. Yeah, I've seen a lot of the kids stuff I can get behind as well. I Paw Patrol was not my favorite. The other one I would caution you against <laughs> is uh, Cocoa Melon. I don't know if you've... Mm, have not heard that one. I would avoid that one personally. That's just one where... <laughs> the kids love it, but it, that's one where their eyes get like hypnotized. You're like, hey, are you are you still here? Hello, hello. <laughs> but they, you know, uh, they like it. But, you know, we can choose. That's the nice part. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting him being interested. He's just from, I guess, friends. He's asked me about Jurassic Park because of the new one. And I'm like, you're not going to see Jurassic Park. He's very prone to nightmares. So I'm like, I will show you the clip from the end of the movie where the T-Rex fights the raptors and saves the day. That's it. That's my two-minute edit of that movie. But he's asked me about Jaws. No, you're not going to see that. And uh, he wants to see Lord of the Rings. Oh, I'm sure you're going to have lots of nightmares about those orcs, buddy. And so <laughs> I look forward to the day where he's old enough and I can share those kind of things with him. 
the first time he sees Jaws, I hope he's impressed by it. But, you know, who knows what this generation is going to think of the effects from, you know, way back then. Yeah. Are they going to roll their eyes at it or? No, that's right. That's right. That's part of the fun, like you're saying, and part of the adventure. You know, the other side of video games or, or those sort of things is my son and I are playing Mario Kart right now. And so we have that bonding experience, you know. And But yeah, it does cut both ways because it can get, <laughs> can get intense on, on both ends. The last thing, just because I know we're hitting against our time here, but the last thing I wanted to talk about or just ask you about a little, Cosmo, is, you know, your podcast, like you said, is a podcast, but also in some ways it's almost a journal for you. Absolutely. And I'd be curious, you know, to hear about how that works for you. If you have, you know, things you want to talk about in your head when you just push record, if you push record, then delete how you use it. Because most people use journals or not most, but just you hear about it more traditionally, like writing down and, and that's fine. But there's a lot of ways to journal, so to speak. So yeah, I'd love to, you to talk about that for a minute, if you don't mind. I don't know what prompted me to do it. I started it right after the babies were born. A coworker was talking about how they were using a platform that was super easy. And that was always a hurdle for me. I am not tech savvy enough to figure out microphones and RSS feeds and all that stuff. And he told me about a free platform that spreads it out to Apple podcasts and everything else. And I checked out the app. It was easy enough. I just talk into my iPhone. I had no expectations going into it. And it's a super modest podcast. I was just looking at the analytics and I've had 2,500 listens total. I'm shocked that I have that many because I just push play and talk I, I don't edit it. It's just really raw. And with me being legally blind, my writing isn't great. And then I'd have trouble reading it anyway. So I can't really write in an old leather bound journal. And I thought about typing one on a, a notepad or something, but I just needed somebody to talk to really. And with the postpartum wife and the infant babies and the pandemic, I figured I'll just talk at a podcast and maybe some dad out there who's going through postpartum stuff too will find some value in it. In those early episodes, the babies were rough sleepers. Baby girl was pretty good. By six months, she was sleeping alone in the crib and it was awesome. But Cade, he would only fall asleep on me. Once asleep, I could put him in this little baby swing and he'd be cool for an hour or two, but then he would only fall asleep on me. And if I put him in the crib, he'd barf and uh, then everything soiled. So from they were born in March until Christmas time, he was sleeping on me in my lazy boy chair. And because of the wife's PTSD and me being hypervigilant and my PTSD about it, I put all that on me. And I said, you need your sleep. I don't want to deal with triggered wife. So I was the one just sleep deprived, sleeping with a baby on me. And so there are some episodes where I just put my phone on my shoulder and I vented to my podcast with a sleeping baby on me. It was really crucial to my mental health just to be able to talk. I haven't really had many interactions with anybody. Uh, I was really shocked when you reached out to me and it's uh, really kind of an honor to be with you on your show. And as it's evolved, as things have gotten better, I don't really usually have a plan. And sometimes I am motivated to talk about a current event, like those awful shootings recently. Uh, I had a, a pretty heated discussion with myself about it. And then sometimes I just want to talk about the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series and give my thoughts on that. And I'm definitely interested in 
talking to other dads. That's something I haven't really done. I've talked about it with a couple people, but never really pushed it. And uh, you're inspiring me to do that a little bit more. And I'm actually going to record an episode with one of my other Legally Blind co-workers this week and uh, talk about the newest Star Trek shows. It's been really nice to just have somebody to talk to. And when you can't talk to a postpartum wife about how you're frustrated with how things are going. And so talking at my phone for the podcast has been a kind of a lifeline for me. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing that Cosmo because it's sort of counterintuitive. It's almost like the placebo effect, you know, how the placebo effect works. Well, why does it help, you know, if you're feeling lonely to talk to an iPhone? It's like, well, it's not talking to an iPhone. There's like other things happening there, but it works. You know, and for me, I think, you know, I'll journal more, you know, on paper, but it helps organize my feelings. It's like, all right, I'm not feeling there's a lot going on or something feels off. And yeah, by spinning it out sometimes, you know, yeah, I wish I were out with a buddy at a bar or something and we could be chatting about it, you know, another dad, but sometimes that's not possible. Often it's not possible. Instead, it's just get my emotions under control or understand them more. And then absolutely. And it's helped me work things out before. Sometimes I'll be fired up about something and I'll, I'll be resentful about something. And I'll just the act of me talking it out gets those thoughts together. And then by the end, I realize it's not that big of a deal. And then I will hit delete and I'll say, eh, you know, the thing that I've been going around around in my head about once I verbalize it, it's not that big of a deal. That is often the case and with everything in life, with so many things in life, but it's just easy to get caught up in our own head and little issues can seem life, you know, altering or life changing. And often, hey, it's actually not, you know, just take a breath. Let's see everything we have to do and where we actually are and count our blessings. You know, we all have blessings to count. I mean, you know, I, I have challenges, you have challenges, obviously, and but we're making it, you know, we've got beautiful kids and <laughs> here we are. So. Cosmo, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast here today. And like I said earlier, now that we're ending on the podcast, you can catch Cosmo on Live Long and Dad. You can find him on all the podcast platforms. So Cosmo, thanks again for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. And if you want to see some pictures of the kids, I am on Instagram. It's at Cosmo, C-O-S-M-O underscore more, M-O-O-R-E. Feel free to check them out there. Lots of pictures of the kiddos there. And if you are a Star Trek fan, I have a super nerdy Star Trek account at Starfleet Panels on Twitter. I used to be at Livingston Picard, which was Captain Picard's fish in his little ready room, but I got banned on Twitter. (laughs) Don't know why. You know, it's cool for white supremacists to be on Twitter, but a nerdy guy pretending to be a Star Trek fish banned. The gist of it is uh, I sell the consoles that explode on all the Star Trek ships. So post pictures there too. So that's at Starfleet Panels on Twitter and Cosmo underscore more on Instagram. Kids are cute. I encourage you to go check them out. They are feisty little kiddos. Oh, I'm sure. Sounds like you're doing a great job with them. So thank you. Check them out, guys. And thanks again, Cosmo, for joining us here. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Awesome. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on. Dad on.